Hello, and a warm welcome to this edition of the Africa Legal Podcast. Now, a slightly different focus for today's episode in that we're looking at a very recent collaboration between Africa Legal and Rwanda Finance Limited, which is the Rwandan government's primary vehicle for the development and launch of the Kigali International Financial Centre. Now, over the last few weeks, we have been busily researching with our legal audiences across Africa and the wider world on what a modern African international financial centre means to them, looking at their previous engagements with existing IFCs, and more importantly, what their future engagement with an African IFC can or should look like. So to help me do justice to this topic and share some commentary on the initial findings of our survey, I'm joined by RFL's Michelle Umurungi. Michelle is a senior strategy and policy analyst in charge of providing strategic insight on new projects and initiatives with a specific focus on the development of fintech as an enabler for change in the finance industry. Prior to joining Rwanda Finance Limited, Michelle worked for the Office of the Oklahoma State Treasurer, Amazon.com, as well as Zoom Systems, where she developed her analytical skills. Michelle holds a bachelor's in finance from Oklahoma Christine University and a master's in international business from Holt International Business School. So Michelle, I am thrilled to have you on the podcast today. A very warm welcome. Thank you so much, Tom. Such a pleasure to be joining you. Well, even more pleasure is the fact we've got some data to dive into. And as a self-confessed data nerd, this, this pleases me immensely. So look, let's, let's dive into some of the initial findings of this, this survey and this research. Now, we were looking at trends in existing utilization of IFCs by lawyers, both in Africa and the wider world. Now, our countries represented numbered 19 in total, with five non-African and 14 African countries represented by our respondents. Now, another interesting fact would be the top three sectors, which were listed as most engaged with by respondents, primarily where their clients they most commonly give advice sit. And these three, not unsurprisingly, were financial services energy and real estate. And a little peripheral insight here, mining and healthcare were both surprising outliers in the in the number of lawyers who listed them as a key sector of focus, with only 19% of respondents referencing both of these. So look, let's let's get into the questions, Michelle. This data, this response rate in the number of countries, the the, the non-African compared with the African ratio, does this surprise you at all? You know, financial services were the most common sector or client-based referenced by almost 10% of all respondents. Do you think that the growth of this sector is to continue unabated in Africa? Or do you see the gap between this and other sectors when it comes to demand for legal services reducing at all? Thank you, Tom. And before I get into the questions, I just want to say that I'm so glad we're shedding light on, on the findings of the research at least some of them. Um, I think our listeners are going to be in for a treat. I'm, I'm really excited to see this research come to life. Back to your question, I don't, I'm not surprised by this because I think that there's been remarkable uh, progress in Africa's financial services sector. And I think it will continue to be a bright prospect. So I, for one, did not foresee this growth 
stunted because the the continent is still rising on many different fronts. We can talk about the great policy reforms that are happening within the financial services sector, the intra-African trade, a growing African middle class, middle income class, not not to mention the um, percentage of population that's still unbanked. So I think there's still great prospects for the financial services sector. Um, Now, in terms of the gap, I think that it might reduce as other sectors catch up and start to develop and demand legal services. But I see the financial services keeping the momentum of their demand uh, for legal services, for sure. I've always used the word powder keg when it comes to financial services um, growth rates in Africa. You know, you touched upon some key things there. Misaligned regulation previously, unbanked populations, a vastly, uh, you know, a dramatic increase in overall population sizes. All of that is to come. And yet we've seen outrageously large double-digit increase in the amount of financial services and transactions occurring. So if we were able to see such an upward trend whilst we still had vastly underserviced, unbanked populaces, and until now, unpredictable regulatory regimes, let's think what's going to happen once we've streamlined you know, some of these these issues. And I know that Rwanda is absolutely at the cusp when it comes to streamlining these impediments to a greater uptake and engagement of financial services on both the corporate and, and consumer level. So I'm, I'm with you. I think the gap may, may well narrow and COVID has quite an important role to play. It's an influencer on, on this gap being, being reduced. But financial services for me, yeah, they, that is still going to be a leading light. Now, we also dug into previous IFC engagement from our respondents. Now, remembering that the, the you know two thirds of our respondents were from African jurisdictions, it's an important piece of context here, because we were both surprised at the fact that two thirds of our respondents had not previously had significant engagement with an existing international financial center. The specifics being. The yes respondents at 33% and the no at 67 You and I were a little bit surprised initially. And then we got our thinking caps on and actually thought, you know, what does this indicate? So look, with the majority of our respondents being legal practitioners operating within African countries, do you feel that the lower response rate confirming previous IFC engagement is indicative of a lack of awareness of what IFCs can offer? Or do you feel that barriers to access these IFCs for African lawyers has been the predominant issue or something totally different? I'm really interested in your thoughts on that. I, I'd rather have something totally um, different. I think, and I, and I thought this was an interesting insight. I feel that this is rather indicative of a limited number of mainland African IFCs that serve as jurisdictions for domiciliation. Because if most of our legal practitioners are going to London or are serving in another market, that's because those markets have jurisdictions that are used as domiciliation or as a base for multiple different investments. So I think that with a growing number of IFCs on the continent, we'll start to see a lot of engagement from legal practitioners. I'm pretty sure they're aware of what an IFC can offer. I see that as a gap 
And I believe that there's a, an opportunity for KFC to breach that gap. Now, I think it's an interesting point you raise there in saying, I think they know what an IFC can offer. But you and I both know that knowing what something can offer, but feeling that relevance to invoke an engagement is, is quite the gap and quite the difference. And for me, I think knowing of these tax efficiencies and domiciliation and capital repatriation um, abilities and, and offerings from IFCs is all well and good. African practitioners need to know that that's accessible to them. And until we see a greater number of African IFCs on the mainland, I think that is going to be a gap. I'm going to use the word powder keg again. I think it's waiting to happen. I think the interest is there. The requirement is there. The mm -hmm. education to a degree is there. And the next stage is relevance, i.e. African practitioners making or being made to realize how achievable and how relevant this offering can be for them. So I'm, I'm, I'm in total agreement. Now, kind of a no, no surprises on one of our questions, which was a ranking of those IFCs that have been engaged with to date. Now, our top three were London in number one, New York in number two, Hong Kong in number three. Interestingly, Singapore at number four, Shanghai at number five. So good to see, well, good to see as a, as a self-confessed raconteur, um, some of the more established IFCs being pushed, pushed out or maybe dropped slightly. So Michelle, no huge surprises for the top three, but certainly interesting to see an IFC, which is often referenced in relation to Rwanda's own potential, this being Singapore, ranked at number four for utilisation, beating the likes of Tokyo, Zurich and Dubai. So do you foresee Kigali one day sitting alongside these, you know, top five ranked, uh, you know, alongside your much touted cousin Singapore? Should Rwanda's meteoric rise continue? I love that much touted cousin Singapore. Uh, and while we certainly look up to it, we uh, are not under the illusion that it will happen overnight. The, but the vision is certainly to one day sit this high alongside top-ranked IFCs such as Singapore, as you rightly point out. Good to hear. Humble but ambitious, I think, is the, the pairing there. And Michelle, our data also showed that we had to drop all the way to 19th. No, you know, not to the bottom of the list. You know, there were over over um, uh, 70 IFCs referenced, but dropping to 19th for our first African IFC, this being Casablanca. Now, does the necessity to drop so substantially for an African presence surprise you, um, you know, particularly in light of our majority African respondent audience? You know, Tom, I have to say that I was a bit surprised. Um, I think it's really telling that majority respondents are African, and yet the first African IFC ranks 19. This is really an interesting insight, and I, I didn't foresee this at all. Um, but I think it's one we can build on further to understand the key reasons why that is, even though we might have an idea why that is. Um, and in any case, it shows KFC's goal to become a Pan-African IFC is really founded on on something. And I, I think there's something here for us to, to build on and leverage on. And Michelle, I, I totally agree. I think, you know, what would, what would be interesting here is actually let, having asked that question 10 years ago, because if 19 feels low now, 
I really would question how low it would have been 10 years ago. So I think it's, again, another upwards trend. And look, let's have Kigali climb those rankings, you know, once we have the KIFC launched as well. Now, another question that I'm interested, or, or more importantly, result that I'm interested to dive into, is our, our review of current satisfaction when it comes to IFCs that have been previously utilized. Now, the aggregate score of satisfaction was 66 out of a total top rank of 100. So not a dramatically low score. And a combined score across the 48 IFCs referenced by respondents, but still significant room for improvement, I'd say. And um, Things get more interesting when we compare the top three must-haves as identified by our respondents, for an IFC to be selected, which, accordingly to our respondents, are firstly, and in top spot, a robust regulatory and and legal protection. Secondly, a culture of compliance. And thirdly, political stability for the jurisdiction in which that IFC is domiciled. So when weighing up the opportunity for significant room for improvement with the key requirements expressed, how confident are you that the Kigali International Financial Centre can deliver these must-haves in order to push your own customer satisfaction beyond that 66 out of 100 average that we've seen here? You know, I have no doubt we can deliver on these must-haves, and I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you why. First, we've done studies to first understand which regulations are fit for an IFC and then created, revised, and amended um, our laws. So currently, as we speak, Rwanda Finance, along with other key stakeholders, have worked on 25 laws, three of of them being enacted, um, gazetted, as we speak. Among the three, one is new, the law on partnerships. Second, compliance is really part of our mission. We intend to become one of the most compliant IFCs in Africa, if not in on the global scene. We now have a financial intelligence center. We've enacted the AML CFT law to ensure we were really f- compliant with OECD and FATF, which is the Financial Action Task Force um, guidelines. So on on compliance, I have no doubt that this is a culture that we're trying to instill in KIFC and its prospect members. When it comes to political stability, even though this might be a touchy subject, I think we can agree that most of the ranks out there, um, we rank highest of top three most stable governments in Africa. So I'm confident we will deliver on these must-haves. There is a lot that has been done and there is a lot that will continue to be done to uh, keep ranking high on these must-haves. And wonderful to have that evidence to back it up. You know, this, this, the, the development of the KIFC has not been a flash in the pan. You know, this has been something which has been considered, it's been researched, it's been tested. Presumptions have been left at the door. You know, from my own engagements with you guys, I know that this commitment to a culture of compliance, it runs really deep. And I think deeper than a lot of IFCs currently think is enough. And I think, for one, that that culture of compliance is is 
probably going to be one of the leading components for the success of the KIFC, putting that gold standard out there from the very inception, rather than waiting to be told that you need to up your game, I think is exactly the kind of robust approach that global business and African businesses are looking for. So it's a doth of the cap from me when it comes to that approach. So, Michelle, as a closing question, I'm keen to touch upon that most current and discussed of issues, the African continental free trade area. Our respondents were asked which issues are most in need of attention and improvement in order for the wider continent to derive maximum benefit from the AFCFTA. And the top three were, firstly, infrastructure development, Secondly, improving the ease of doing business. And thirdly, access to expertise. So how is the KIFC responding or how will it respond to these needs? What steps are or will be taken to ensure that the KIFC and Rwanda as a whole are acting to help ensure maximum benefit for both the home jurisdiction and the wider continent under the free trade area? That's a great question, Tom. Thank you. Um, as you know, we are big on AFCFTA. Um, we're one of the pioneer countries behind the African Free Trade Continental Agreement. So we're really keen on making sure that business owners, individuals will derive maximum benefit from it. And in terms of African infrastructure development, sorry, um, I think we can agree it's a priority for most of Sub-Saharan Africa. And Rwanda is no different. We have about a tenth of the annual budget committed to transport and under other infrastructure. And according to AFDB, Africa requires between 130 and 170 billion a year. So I see KFC as a key player in this, serving as you know, a base for such investment infrastructure development to to come through KIFC and for us to make sure that the investment are structured in any way they need to be structured through KIFC and to offer a, a compliant and safe jurisdiction for that. Now, in terms of improving ease of doing business, we currently rank first in the East and Central region for ease of doing business. So I think we're doing great on that front, but there's still room for improvement um, because Mauritius ranks first in Africa and we can, uh, we can agree that there is room if, if we're second uh, for improvement there. And when it comes to access to expertise, you know, this is a critical point or issue that we've heard raised multiple times. In, in the case for Rwanda, there's a collective national response when it comes to capacity building. But now in relation to KIFC, there is special attention to financial services. And we're working with different stakeholders to create this access to expertise. In some cases for us, it's upskilling. Um, upskilling is the route to go. And, or reskilling, where you try and poach some good talent from a certain industry to, to financial services. And a concrete example that I can give here for upskilling is we've recently partnered with uh, the International Compliance Association to offer ICA certification through KIFC. Again, on the topic of compliance here, we're really, really big on that um, and trying to make sure that we create that culture of compliance. 
So that's one concrete ex- example that I can give you on access to expertise. You know, I'm really excited for all that KFC is doing and all that Rana Finance is putting in place to make sure that everyone can benefit from the AFC FTA through KFC. And Africa Legal has been happy and excited to play our our small part in helping to develop things. So, look, Michelle, it's been so great to discuss some of the the findings of this research, but we go a lot deeper when it comes to the publication of the report in its entirety, which is now available to download and a link to which is provided below in the podcast description if you missed any of the promotion on africalegal.com. And as I've referenced, this is the first of three research reports. So we are going to be knocking on doors once again when it comes to having you, your voice heard as a respondent in these surveys. So that does bring us to time. So Michelle, I will say thank you once again so much for firstly being a partner of Africa Legal and also for joining me today on this podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Tom. I am the one to thank you. Uh, it's been such a great collaboration between Run of Finance and Africa Legal, and I really look forward to to the end uh, research report publication. So thank you so much to you and your firm. You are too kind. And as always, a very big thank you to all of our listeners. If you are new to the Africa Legal podcast, be sure to peruse our back catalogue of episodes, which are available on any of your preferred podcast providers, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. And be sure to visit us at africalegal.com for all the news, views, and insights that improve your life as a modern African legal professional. So without further ado, I have been Tom Pearson, and this has been the Africa Legal Podcast.